Hello and welcome to a special podcast today um, that is brought to you from the UK Cinema Association, the UKCA and the Event Cinema Association, the ECA. Um, I'm Helen Budge and today I have been joined by Phil Clapp, CEO of the UKCA. Hi there. Hi Phil. Um, And we are here to discuss a document titled The Implications of a No-Deal Brexit for the Cinema and Event Cinema Sectors. Um, so just to kick off, Phil, I'm going to hand it straight over to you for a bit of an introduction. Uh, and if you could just explain what it's all about, that'd be great. OK, so, so the context of the, of the document is really the fact that for the last couple of years, both the UKCA and the ECA have been keeping a watching brief on, on the developing or maybe not developing picture on Brexit. Um, I think we've been working under the expectation for a long period of time that there would be a deal and that many of the, the, the tougher challenges that would come with a no-deal Brexit would be avoided. But maybe two or three months ago, when that seemed uh, increasingly less likely and the prospect of a no-deal Brexit, which would mean that the UK would leave the EU without an agreement on things like trade and, and a range of other issues, um, we started to think about what would be the implications of that for our members. Um, at the end of August, very early September, government announced the establishment of of what they called a business readiness fund which was open to trade bodies it wasn't open to individuals or individual companies and provided potential funding for those trade bodies to uh, develop advice to their members on the kind of contingencies or the kind of issues they would have to consider were the UK to leave the EU without a deal. Now, as I say, that that fund was announced at the end of August and at the time, and until very recently, a no-deal Brexit seemed a possibility uh, today, which is the 31st of October. So we had to work very quickly, I think, to try and kind of uh, gather our thoughts on what those issues might be. We sought legal advice and in the last week or so we've issued this document both to members of the UK Cinema Association and to members of the Event Cinema Association. We're just going to work our way through in quite a sort of logical order. Sure. Um, so let's move on to our current position, so the current position of the UK. Okay, so, so the current position of the UK, as many listeners will know, is that within the last week, uh, the EU has offered and the UK has accepted uh, an extension to uh, Brexit. So at the moment, as we sit here, um, the government has until uh, the 31st of January 2020 to agree a deal with the EU. Um, it's, it's been called in some quarters a flextension, which is a truly terrible term, but basically tries to capture the fact that were the UK to reach an agreement with the EU before the 31st of January, then uh, the, the UK would leave the EU at that point. But the cliff edge now has essentially been moved back two or three months, uh, and were there not to be a deal by the 31st of January, then the UK would leave the EU without a deal the next day, the 1st of February. And essentially this, this document is, is the backstop, probably not the right phrase to use, <laughs> but is, is, is intended to provide advice to members on what would be the kind of things they need to think about and seek reassurance on should that scenario come to play. Okay, great. So the next um, title, if you will, in the contents is on scope. So again, I'm going to hand it over to you, Phil, to talk us through that aspect. Sure, so so in terms of the scope of the document, we wanted to be very clear at the outset what the document covered and what it didn't cover. So the document doesn't cover 
issues which might impact, for example, on film production. Uh, so there's been a lot of talk on that side about the potential impact of a, of a no-deal Brexit on the, on the current film tax credit, which benefits a large number of productions in the UK. Uh, there's been a lot of talk on that side about the implications of a no-deal Brexit on, on freedom of movement. The production side in the UK has benefited from the ability to pull in talent from a range of EU countries and make this country really a, 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 both a European and a global hub for film production. Those kind of discussions and those kind of considerations are happening elsewhere through other trade bodies and, and through other public bodies. But this, this document focuses exclusively on the practical considerations that uh, people running cinemas and people involved in the event cinema value chain, if I can call it that, so both producers and distributors and exhibitors of event cinema should bear in mind should a no-deal Brexit come to pass. Okay, great. So we're going to move on to key considerations. So obviously these are the more specific areas mm -hmm. that we're looking at. Um, you've obviously touched on some of them there, but we're going to start with um, trading conditions. Sure. So um, I, I think this is probably the most generic of the uh, issues touched on in the guidance and, and actually is something which probably applies to all businesses which rely on supplies from elsewhere in the EU into the UK and uh, the UK Cinema Association over, over a number of, of months and actually probably a couple of years has kept in close contact with a broad range of suppliers in the industry who provide our members and indeed members of the Event Cinema Association with technology, hardware, uh, prosaic things like seating and food and beverage and, and through those conversations, we have gained a good deal of confidence that even in the event of a no-deal Brexit, um, most supply lines will be either unaffected or there will be contingencies in place to ensure that um, supplies of those hard goods, as it were, are not uh, massively effective, affected. However, the, 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 the trading conditions section of the guidance does make clear that there will be an impact and as in a number of areas the scale and nature of that impact is is actually quite difficult to to assess at this stage we do know at the moment as we stand here that were there to be a no deal brexit that goods entering into the e into the uk from the eu which previously have benefited from frictionless trade will automatically become subject to uh, world trade organization organization tariffs. Uh, that means that they will be subject to additional duties coming into the UK from the EU. Now, government has already committed that across a broad range of goods, those uh, duties will be reduced to zero. But they've made clear that that will be a temporary measure. So how long that uh, will be enjoyed and how long that will actually uh, be relevant, I think, is open to question. Um, more importantly, I think, in terms of delays rather than costs, um, because we will lose the, uh, to use the phrase, the regulatory alignment there is between the UK and the rest of the EU, then all goods coming into the UK from the EU, uh, as with other um, parts of the world, will be subject to additional regulatory checks. Now, clearly listeners will know that this has become a particular issue in terms of goods moving uh, between the north and the south of Ireland, but this is also an issue for the, the broader UK. 
so what we're saying to uh, all of those who rely on hard goods supplies of whatever kind is to check with their suppliers both what steps they've taken in, they put in place to deal with these additional issues but also to check on the WTO website and the guidance gives uh, links to this as it does in other areas just what the current level of WTO levies might be and therefore what the additional costs they might be looking at. So moving on to another key consideration which is employment in the industry. So, so one of the things which uh, has gained a good deal of uh, profile in the media uh, over the last couple of years around Brexit is the position of uh, non-UK EU nationals in the UK. So French, German, Spanish, etc. people living and working in the UK who have benefited from freedom of movement uh, and have benefited from the ability to live and work in the UK unhindered. Um, while the position on this continues to change, uh, at this very moment, um, should there be a no-deal Brexit, then uh, that freedom of movement and that ability to work uh, unhindered in the UK for these people will automatically cease at the point of the no-deal Brexit. Now, government has taken a number of steps to reassure those people and to provide mechanisms for them to uh, continue working and living in the UK. Now, it's difficult to assess the extent to which this is a, uh, a significant issue for either the, the, the cinema or the event cinema sector. We don't have sufficient data to understand the, the extent to which non-UK EU nationals are part of the workforce. But anecdotally, we know on the cinema side, for example, there are a number of regions of the UK where uh, these people are, are a key part of the workforce. So what the guidance does, it doesn't attempt to go into detail on the, on the whys and wherefores of this, but what it does is it provides a link to the government website which gives very clear advice both to employers and employees on the steps they need to take to ensure that their employees are the correct side of the line should a no-deal Brexit take place. Next key consideration that we have is contracts. So um, I'm sure you will tell us exactly what that's about. Though. Yeah, so I mean, we we clearly understand that you know um, the commercial business of cinema and event cinema it is reliant on, on a range of contracts between uh, cinemas, uh, event cinema distributors, film distributors, etc. Um, in a, in a in a fairly complex matrix of relationships, and. From all we've seen and all we understand from talking to legal advisors, there is no reason to believe that uh, the vast majority of those will be affected by a no-deal Brexit. So to take one example, um, film rights are um, negotiated and licensed by film distributors on a territory-by-territory -territory basis. So it is very, very unusual for a film to be licensed across one or two, across two or three territories in a single contract. Um, so we believe that in, the, in, in a no-deal Brexit, um, the current level of relationships between film distributors and cinema operators will be unaffected, and we also believe that's true of event cinema distributors and their clients on the cinema side. However, um, particularly with relevance to supplies of hard goods, um, it is entirely possible that the delays and additional costs, which may be the result of a no-deal Brexit, could be seen as a material change to certain contracts. 
And while we're not expecting anyone to use this as leverage, what we are saying to members of both associations is take a look at your contracts, make sure you understand what provisions there are for material changes to those contracts, have a conversation with your suppliers or have a conversation with um, others who are involved in that supply chain and make sure you understand what their likely reaction is to, going to be should there be any material changes to that contract. We think this is one area as, are, as there are another where early dialogue is vital in avoiding problems should we get to a no-deal Brexit. Okay, lovely. Um, next key consideration, VAT, so value-added tax. So this is, this is a complex issue on which I don't claim to be uh, even approaching an amateur, let alone an expert. But our understanding is that um, uh, at present, due to the UK's membership of the EU, then goods entering into the UK from other EU states are not subject to UK VAT uh, rates. In, and indeed, goods travelling from the UK to the EU equally aren't subject to the prevailing VAT rates within the, within the receiving country, for that phrase. Um, that will change uh, should there be a no-deal Brexit. And unless there are reciprocal agreements between the UK and individual EU states, then VAT will begin to be chargeable. Um, I think the, the sense is, as, as with VAT within the domestic scenario, a lot of this will wash out in terms of money in and money out. But I think it's just, again, within the advice, the need for us to flag up that this becomes an additional complicating factor for anyone doing trade uh, between the UK and the EU or vice versa. Wonderful. So the last key consideration that we have on here is uh, data transfer, the GDPR stuff, for want of a technical term. The GDPR stuff, as we all call it, which is the General Data Protection Regulation, which is a, a, a circle of hell that the UK went through about 18 months ago, which was the implementation of an EU directive which set certain expectations and requirements around the use protection and uh, interrogation of personal data. Now, um, I guess in terms of not wanting life to be more complicated, the good news is that the, the, the GDPR act is actually now part of UK law, so whether the UK is in or outside of the EU is, is to a degree immaterial. What is material is the fact that once the UK leaves the EU, should that happen, without a, a deal, then... Um, the flow of data between UK companies and companies in the rest of the EU becomes slightly more complex. Um, there needs to be uh, what's called an, an adequacy provision for each of those countries to which data flows. An adequacy, adequacy provision, if I can say it, an adequacy provision, is basically just a clear statement that the standards of data protection within that nation are, or within that company are sufficient to meet the standards of the GDPR. Now, the current understanding is that with regard to other EU nation states, um, the UK will essentially give all of them immediately a clean bill of health, so there won't be any additional barriers to data transfer. There is an additional wrinkle when it comes to uh, data transfer to the US, where there is a subset of US companies which are felt to have uh, particularly uh, relevant uh, kind of provisions. 
in terms of data transfer. And so within the advice document, there is much more detail on this uh, necessarily and links to work out what those provisions might be and how people might ensure that they are transferring data legally. Now, um, this area covers a broad range of potential scenarios and we don't pretend necessarily to understand all the ways in which members of either the UK Cinema Association or the Event Cinema Association currently use data. We understand that they use data, for example, to uh, drive marketing and they use data to obviously um, drive financial transactions. But what we're saying in the advice guidance is for each company uh, to really look closely at their current use of data, uh, satisfy themselves that their current uh, provisions are sufficient to deal with a no-deal Brexit scenario given the kind of considerations which are in the document. So those are our key considerations. Um, and I think, shall I just say here, Phil, if people have any specific questions, um, to contact you? or to Yeah, to contact you? myself or Gronia at the Event Cinema Association. Great, we we'll give and, our, and our co- email addresses at the end. Yeah, lovely. Um, so, yeah, for any more specific questions. Um, we'll move on to the event cinema sector. Um, so the first thing we're going to take a look at is the Audiovisual Media Services Directive. Which is a very, very sexy area of policy. <laughs> um, th- th- this is, I mean, the, the top line here is, frankly, there's nothing to worry about. But we had to go through a process to arrive at that conclusion. So um, we were very much aware that the vast majority of event cinema is live uh, and the vast majority of that event cinema is live through being uh, broadcast, I'll use that word, into cinema sites. Uh, primarily from within the UK but on occasion obviously with the, 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 the Vienna Opera and, and other EU institutions from outside of the UK. And currently broadcast is governed by uh, a piece of legislation, uh, EU legislation, called the Audiovisual Media Services Directive. Um, were it to be felt that uh, event cinema distribution came under that directive, then there are a whole series of potential implications should there be a no-deal Brexit. The legal advice we have, and we've had it for a, from a couple of sources, and it's been entirely consistent, is that the nature of event cinema Uh, which is, for the most part, a series of discrete screenings rather than an ongoing programme of screenings, means that event cinema does not come under the directive. So the top line is um, there should be no impact whatsoever on the ability of event cinema distributors to broadcast event cinema content, certainly within the UK, and that was never an issue, but between the UK and other EU member states or vice versa. Okay, well that sounds positive. Um, Moving on to copyright clearance in satellite broadcasting. That again is part of the same uh, kind of thought process whereby we were thinking that um, is there an issue around rights management? Is there an issue around copyright clearance for uh, event cinema content which is being Uh, broadcast or transmitted from one EU state to another, particularly from another EU state to the UK. Again, all the advice we have from from legal 
is that really shouldn't be an issue, that um, rights are cleared as they are with film uh, on a territory-by-territory -territory basis. So um, if, if you're a cinema which is receiving event cinema content, or if you're an event cinema distributor distributing event cinema content, then you can be confident that the rights have been cleared for your territory. And so even in the event of a no-deal Brexit, that flow of content should be uninterrupted. So we're coming to the end now of the implications of a no-deal Brexit document. So the last area we're going to take a look at is EU funding programmes. So, so this is an area where actually, in terms of, in terms of the broader film industry, the, the, the exhibition sector, so cinema operators, probably have the least a relation, direct relationship with the EU funding relationship. You know, we're aware of uh, a range of areas where colleagues in production and colleagues in distribution have a funding relationship with the EU. Um, there are comparatively few areas in which cinema operators and, 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 and even more so event cinema uh, colleagues have a direct relationship with the EU. Um, the two areas where that is true is um, around the Creative Europe programme, which is a broad umbrella programme put in place by uh, the EU to fund uh, essentially, the, 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 the screening of um, non-domestic European film content in EU member states. And, and to explain what that means, it's to encourage, for example, the showing of Spanish films in Italy, German films in Bulgaria, UK films in France, etc., etc. Um, and as part of that, what's called the, the, the Europa Cinemas Network, which is a, 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 a programme which provides financial incentives for cinemas to show non-domestic European content. Now, within the UK at the moment, there are a comparatively small number of cinemas that are part of Europa Cinema Network. It's 42. Um, and that includes a significant number of, of smaller operators as well, as well as one or two of the circuit companies. Now, um, it is clear from discussions with the British Film Institute that should there be a no-deal Brexit, then the UK will automatically fall out of those two programmes and the ability of uh, companies or organisations to access funding from those two programmes will cease. What government has said, I mean, we are not talking about a, a huge amount of money, we're probably talking about a, a quarter of a million pounds, which in relative terms isn't a huge amount of money. Um, what government has said is that they will look to identify and provide replacement funding. So there will be continuity for those who are currently involved in the programme into the medium term, but I think we can probably expect that that will be uh, um, a temporary position. Uh, and there may be a possibility that the UK will look to reapply to a couple of these programmes, where at the moment there are non-EU uh, member states who are part of the programme. So, for example, Switzerland and Norway, who are both not members of the EU or members of Creative Europe and, and Europa Cinemas. So it's, it's essentially uh, almost a kind of bridging loan from government to keep current members of the programmes in the programme until we find another arrangement. Okay, fantastic. So quite a lot of information to take in there. Um, everybody, presumably everybody listening will have a copy of this um, that they will 
be working through? Is that right? Well, we we hope so. I mean, so so certainly we, the UK Cinema Association, have sent it to all of our members, and um, Gronia at the at the Event Cinema Association has sent it to all of her members. If 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 anyone listening to this has not seen it, then we have just put it up on our website. So that's www.cinemauk.org.uk, um, and. The thing to say about the advice is it inevitably it's headline in nature. Uh, one of the, the points made at the outset is if there are specific issues which are relevant to the position of a company or organisation, then the advice we've given shouldn't be a substitute for those organisations or companies taking their own legal advice. But this is really intended to be a, a ready reckoner on the kind of issues which uh, people need to reassure themselves on. In the vast majority of cases, and, and this is something we want to stress, um, any actions to be taken are not actions to be taken by members of the UK Cinema Association or indeed members of the Event Cinema Association. They tend to be actions to be taken by suppliers and contractors. But the purpose of the guidance is to allow members of both associations to know, as it were, the right questions to ask when they come to have those conversations. Um, so as we said earlier, any questions to drop yourself or go on your line. Um, so Phil's email address is phil.clap at cinemauk.org.uk. So that's phil.clap, double P, at cinemauk.org.uk. And Gronya is on Gronya at eventcinemaassociation.org. So that's Gronya, G-R-A-I-N-N-E, at eventcinemaassociation.org. Um, thanks for listening, everybody, and we hope it helps. Mm-hmm.